This hour of Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Now back to Spears and Ali on 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4 ESPN Tucson. For the second straight day, good morning and welcome to Spears and Ali here on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4. We're also streaming on ESPNTucson.com, the ESPN Tucson mobile app, and you can find us after the show at the Spears and Ali podcast located wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're uh, one of our afternoon listeners, highly recommend it. Uh, it, it. I know it's a tough transition going from 3 to 6 in the afternoon from 7 to 9 a.m., but if you're an afternoon listener and you much rather listen to us later on in the afternoon, commercial-free, then hit us up at the Spears and Ali podcast, Apple, Audible, which is the Amazon podcasting platform, and Spotify. So once again, another jam-packed show. Very excited for the second morning shift of Spears and Ali. We got ESPN national radio host Freddie Coleman coming on the show at 725. And then in the 8 o'clock hour, it's going to be a Borgay takeover. Because at 8 o'clock, we have the Borgay brothers, Trenton, Trayson, and Coben. And, of course, their father, Toby Borgay, stopping by in studio to talk about their incredible year. It was a big year for the the Borgays this past year. And uh, they'll be joining us in studio to talk about playing college football, being brothers. And, of course, they're going to talk about their world-class sister, Rylan Borgay, who's probably the best athlete, but don't tell them that. Uh, because Rylan is a six-time state champion. Six-time state champion. I cannot emphasize that enough. She's won soccer state titles, beach volleyball, volleyball, and she's a senior now. She's going to be going to ASU next year. I know that's, you know, for Tucsonans, they don't want to hear that. But Rylan Borgay, she's going to be going to ASU and joining their beach volleyball program. So Rylan Borgay, destined for big things. I mean, she's already accomplished a lot. We're going to hear her story at 825. She'll be calling into the show because she's got school. You know, we couldn't really... Uh, get her out of school because school is obviously priorities, but she will uh, step out and join us for 10 minutes to talk about her athletic prowess. So I'm very excited to have the the Borgay siblings join the show coming up in the uh, 8 o'clock hour. And then for the first time ever in the mornings, Top 5 Tuesday. Top 9 You Tuesday. know, baby, Top 5 Tuesday. We're going to bring you guys Top 5 Arizona football newcomers for spring football. Spring football starts next week. And Arizona, they have a boatload of newbies, a lot of new faces joining the Arizona football program. So we will rank the top five most important newcomers for the Arizona football team. And then on top of that, we'll also rank top five returning players for the Arizona Wildcats. And then we'll also rank top five most intriguing NFL quarterback offseasons at the end of this hour. And then since Pac-12 tournament is this week, we're going to rank top five most interesting moments for the Arizona Wildcats in Las Vegas in the Pac-12 tournament. So it's going to be a fun show, two hours. If you want to join the show, 719-1490 is the phone number, 719-1490. Good morning, guys. Join the show. Get your morning started right here with Spears and Ali. We appreciate all of you, and we also appreciate our sponsors, the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans and Tucson Federal Credit Union, better than a bank, better than your bank. 
And uh, don't forget, by the way, just a friendly reminder that Spears and Ali, it's our first week in the mornings, and we're going to take our talents on the road. Thursday and Friday, Spears and Ali, we will be doing our show live from Las Vegas. This is going to be interesting because that Thursday game Arizona has, it's a late one. It's uh, 7 o'clock. I, I believe it's 7 o'clock Vegas time. might be 8 o'clock uh, Tucson time. i got to double check on that. But it's going to be a late game regardless. And then I'm going to be up late at T-Mobile Arena and doing my duties at team uh, at the arena. And then all of a sudden, i got to pack up my things, go to sleep, and get ready for the morning show the next day. So I'm going to be running on fumes in Las Vegas this week, but it's going to be a fun time. Spears and Ali, we will be in Las Vegas doing our show from 7 to 9 a.m. 6 to 8 a.m. Vegas time. It's going to be it's going to be a doozy of a show. All right, let's get right into it. Top three headlines heading into today. One. One. Arizona basketball stays put in the AP Top 25. They stay locked in at number eight despite the loss to UCLA. UCLA moving up a few spots, looking like they're going to secure the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. I think UCLA, if they get to the Pac-12 tournament championship game, I, I, I think they're going to secure a number one seed out west, which is very, very important. And uh, meanwhile, for the Arizona Wildcats, they're trying to improve their seeding so they can stay out west or at least uh, get a a region that doesn't send them to freaking Orlando to, to start this thing, which is going to be – if they end up in Orlando, that would be the worst situation for Arizona in terms of, of fans. But you know, we all know that Arizona fans travel well. When it comes to the NCAA tournament, Arizona fans do not mess around. I mean, even in midseason tournaments, right? You think like the Maui Invitational. Oh, how many Arizona fans are going to show up to Maui? And then you turn it on and all you hear is U of A chants. So Arizona fans never fail to surprise me when it comes to travel. I mean, you could put that game on the North Pole and Paul Volpe and Paul Diaz is going to still find a way to be courtside, cheering as loud as they can for the Arizona Wildcats. But regardless, they got to figure out how to win the Pac-12 Tournament Championship. Because UCLA, they're the conference outright champs. Arizona, Las Vegas is like a second home to Arizona. And I think that they can win the Pac-12 Tournament Championship game uh, on a neutral site court against UCLA, which will be heavy Arizona fans. Uh, I I like the Wildcats' chances in Vegas this week. But uh, Arizona, they stay put at number eight. Most importantly, and I'm kind of bearing the lead here, this is the main headline, Kylan Boswell, for the final time this season, has been named Pac-12 Freshman of the Week. So big shout-out to Kylan Boswell for a big week. He was the the silver lining in Arizona's game against UCLA on Saturday. Courtney Ramey probably had his worst game as a Wildcat, um, arguably the worst game of his college career. When you look at the, the turnovers, I mean, just silly passes by Courtney Ramey. Those six turnovers are career high. His shooting numbers were not great. If you go look at his uh, field goal numbers in that game against UCLA, it's, it's actually pretty gross. So Courtney Ramey didn't have his best game. But Kylan Boswell, on the other hand, I thought had one of his better games as an Arizona Wildcat, had 14 points, was a huge player, was very impactful in the second half for Arizona as they were trying to you know, get back into the game. They had such a strong start, and then UCLA got themselves back into the game and then eventually got out to a nice comfy lead. 
But Arizona, they were chipping away, trying to fight back into it. And Kylan Boswell and what he was able to do was a big reason why Arizona fought back in that game. Hit a couple of three-pointers, uh, was 6-for-9 from three-point range against UCLA. It's a nice shooting line from Kylan Boswell. 14 points. You, I love what I see out of this guy. And uh, I know that the ongoing joke is that he's 17 years old. And I feel like eventually we're going to get to a point where the joke is kind of ruined. And you can thank me for that. I, I've definitely had some hand in uh, kind of running that joke into the ground during yesterday's show. But, I mean, it's truly fascinating because the guy's freaking 17 years old. Like, at this point, like, what were Andrew, what were you doing at 17 years old? Just out of curiosity. Uh, at what time of day? Okay. <laughs> when I was 17 years old. I was not doing what Kylan Boswell was doing. I was an absolute degenerate. Think about, like, when I was 17 years old at this time of the year, it was my final semester of high school. I was making all sorts of trouble. I was causing all sorts of trouble. You were 17 as a senior? I, well, I was. Huh. Yeah. Same. Youngin. Yeah. yeah. Both you and I are youngin. But, like, that's the thing is we were in high school. We were about to, to graduate. Kylan Boswell is over here winning Pac-12 Freshman of the Week, playing against UCLA on primetime television, getting ready for the Pac-12 tournament, and ultimately the NCAA tournament. Like, the the maturity that goes into what Kylan Boswell is doing is very admirable. And I think that his best is yet to come. Like, the the future is very bright for a guy like Kylan Boswell. I don't even want to, to think about next season, but think about a, a year in the weight room, a full year working with Chris Rounds, a full year of playing college basketball, think about the kind of level that Kylan Boswell is going to be at next year. It would not surprise me if next year is Kylan Boswell's last year playing for the Arizona Wildcats because I think that he can take that next jump. I mean, just think about the progress that he's made just in his first year. Remember, 17 years old, had a foot injury, got surgery on it, and slowly worked his way back, was with the team. And Tommy Lloyd, I I give him a ton of credit for how he's handled the whole situation. It has been chess, not checkers with Kylan Boswell. Tommy Lloyd told all of us, don't judge Kylan Boswell until January. Once January, February hits, that's when you can start judging his play. Don't start judging his play in the months of November and December because he's coming back from that injury. And he's slowly working his way back. As a matter of fact, the the early minutes that he got in non-conference play, I was shocked that he was even playing. I thought that maybe they were rushing him back in, but they slowly started to ramp up his minutes, and Kyla Boswell slowly but surely became a very important part for this Arizona basketball team. And now he's winning Pac-12 Freshman of the Week. He's starting to hit his stride, and it couldn't have come at a more perfect time for the Arizona Wildcats. They're going to need that that depth in March. It's very critical that guys like Kylan Boswell continue to deliver because Arizona's bench is pretty tight. Remember, Arizona is trying to find that eighth guy. Is it Adama Ball? Is it Henry Vasar? We don't know. For now, all Tommy Lloyd has to lean on is those seven guys, the starters, and then Pella Larson and Kylan Boswell coming off the bench. Pella Larson is playing like the Pac-12 sixth man of the year. Ever since the Wildcats made that move to put Pella Larson in on coming off the bench and Cedric Henderson in the starting lineup, 
that's been amazing. That's been a great switch for the Arizona Wildcats. And Pella Larson gives Arizona that strong, veteran, consistent presence that comes off the bench. The guy that takes charges. The guy that makes all the right passes. The guy that takes on the defensive responsibilities of guarding the team's best player. And then you add in a very mature 17-year-old point guard in Kylan Boswell. The one thing that I, I really admire most about Kylan Boswell is it seems like he doesn't make any sloppy plays. Like we were just talking about Courtney Ramey getting super careless with the ball in those six turnovers. When's the last time you recall Kylan Boswell making just an absolute awful mistake? Like you really have to, go. in my opinion, the one that stands out to me is in Maui when they put him in the game. And right off the bat, I think he like drew or committed an offensive foul, committed a turnover. The guy on the went on the other end and scored. And Kylan Boswell was really hanging his head in that game. Ever since that moment, Kylan Boswell has learned. He's just been a sponge of information, and he's been a very important part for this Arizona basketball team. So Arizona, they got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. Yes, they are not the the number one seed. They're not the Pac-12 outright or the outright champs. They have a chance to have a share in the Pac-12 championship by winning the tournament this weekend in Las Vegas. But regardless, I think Arizona has to feel pretty good about themselves. Kylan Boswell's maturing, still showing that he is a bright young guard for Arizona. Pella Larson continues to get better in that six-man role. And I think most importantly for the Wildcats, it was nice for Azulus Tubelis to come back and have a bounce-back weekend against the L.A. schools. Two double-doubles. When we were all questioning if Azulus Tubelis had that killer instinct, if he could rise to the challenge and be that ultimate leader for Arizona, he comes back against the L.A. schools, puts up a double-double, is probably not going to win Pac-12 Player of the Year. But for him to come back and have those kind of games, um, I think was great for Arizona. And it, the the future certainly bodes well for them. We'll see how they take care of business in Las Vegas because that Thursday game is going to be a doozy. You got Stanford, you got Utah. Arizona lost to both of those teams earlier in the season. But on the flip side, the Wildcats also beat these teams. So it's going to be interesting to see how they can adjust on Thursday in the Pac-12 tournament when they face either Stanford or UCLA or excuse me uh, Utah. So, man, it's exciting. Very exciting time to be a college basketball fan. We'll talk more of Arizona basketball later on in the show at 8.40 when we rank top five Pac-12 tournament moments for the Arizona Wildcats in Las Vegas. All right, let's move to headline number two. 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 Phoenix Suns star guard Devin Booker was named Western Conference Player of the Week after averaging 36 points, 7.7 assists, and 5.3 rebounds. Great numbers right there by Devin Booker. And the historic numbers, uh, of course, are along with uh, Kevin Durant. KD, ever since the addition of, of Kevin Durant, the Phoenix Suns have not lost uh, a game. With with KD on the floor. They're 4-1 since the All-Star break. And they're 3-0 and with the addition of Kevin Durant. So things are rolling right now for the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, in the three games that they've played together, they have combined for 188 points. That is the fourth most by a pair of teammates in their first three games together. The only uh, 
the only pairs of teammates to have more are guys who played with Wilt Chamberlain. So it's more like Wilt Chamberlain and then the Funky Bunch. So Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, 188 points. Remember, fourth most by a pair of teammates in their first three games together. The other ones, you got to go all the way back to the 60s with Wilt Chamberlain. 1961-62, Wilt Chamberlain and Tom Meshery, if you know who that is, 194 points combined between those two. In 1962 and 63, Wilt Chamberlain and Wayne Hightower. Do you know who Wayne Hightower is? They combined for 197 points. And then in 1961-62, combining for 210 points, Wilt Chamberlain and York Larisi. If you know who that guy is, too. So Who doesn't? It, it seemed like it was Wilt Chamberlain and the Funky Bunch uh, that was scoring all these points. But Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, they're proven to be a great tandem together. And that's the, the reason why you, you, know, you have to make this move if you're Matt Ishbia, the new owner of the Phoenix Suns, and, of course, general manager James Jones, you get a guy like Kevin Durant who, yes, is an aging superstar. Yes, is very uh, street closey. How do I say it? He uh, struggles to get on the court because he's always hurt. But when Kevin Durant is on the court, when he's available, the Phoenix Suns are the NBA championship favorites. Kevin Durant uplifts everyone in that Phoenix Suns organization. You look at just with Kevin with Kevin Durant on the court, the numbers that Devin Booker has been able to put up, he's Western Conference Player of the Week, is putting up over 30 points per game. Also, look at Chris Paul's assist numbers. Look at DeAndre Ayton. Yes, he doesn't have to go out and put up 18 to 20 points, but man, as long as he gets his double-digit rebounds, the Phoenix Suns are in good business. And DeAndre Ayton, I think, is very efficient when he works around the basket. So the, everyone around Kevin Durant has benefited from this trade. And barring injury, if Kevin Durant can stay healthy, the Phoenix Suns are representing the Western Conference in the NBA Finals. If something happens with KD and Devin Booker, that's going to be trouble for the Phoenix Suns. But so far with the addition of Kevin Durant, so far so good for the Suns. All right, uh, let's go to headline number three. 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 Oh, by the way, how about uh, Julius Randle winning Eastern Conference Player of the Week with the New York Knicks? Knicks, winners of nine straight. Look at that. Don't look now, but the Knicks are okay. Doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Okay. All right, our third headline for today, uh, the Arizona Cardinals are expected to release wide receiver Chosen Anderson or the artist formerly known as Robbie Anderson, the guy that they got from the Carolina Panthers. They're expected to release him. That's the big news regarding the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, NFL today is going to be pretty busy because at 4 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. here, that's the, the franchise tag deadline. And you have Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson still without a deal. And general manager Ozzie Newsome said that they're going to work vigorously those the the words that he used, to get a deal done before 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. And I have a gut feeling that the Baltimore Ravens are ultimately going to franchise tag Lamar Jackson, which is the first time they used a franchise tag in three years. And they're going to use it on Lamar Jackson. And this is going to be tough because Lamar Jackson wants Deshaun Watson money. 
And the Baltimore Ravens are looking at him like, well, we're not the Cleveland Browns. We're not going to give you Deshaun Watson money because we're not as dumb as the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, they, they can't afford but, all those masseuses. But, but Lamar Jackson was like, I need this kind of money. If they're paying Deshaun Watson that money, I need it. And that's the unfortunate bar that the Cleveland Browns set when it comes to the quarterback market. I think Lamar Jackson, what he's done for the Baltimore Ravens, has been amazing. I mean, you of course you want to see more weapons around Lamar Jackson. I know I, I, in terms of like the the tiers of quarterbacks, I'm not going to put Lamar Jackson in the in that upper echelon with guys like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, but I think that Lamar Jackson is still a, a, a really good quarterback, and I still think that he is a franchise quarterback that's perfect for the Baltimore Ravens. They took a chance on this guy late in the first round a few years ago, and he's delivered. He's he's exceeded my expectations as an NFL quarterback, and I think that the Ravens absolutely need to pay Lamar Jackson, but I don't think it's going to get done. And since he does not have an agent, he's going to be pretty much at a head right now. And he's not going to get the money that he deserves. But we'll we'll see what happens with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. How about Derek Carr, by the way? Getting a four-year deal with the New Orleans Saints could be worth $150 million. At least $60 million of it is guaranteed. So it's going to be a busy day in the NFL. We'll, see, we'll talk about it all during tomorrow's Spears and Ali. All right, coming up next... Freddie Coleman, well, actually, we'll talk to him about the quarterback carousel. Plus, we'll also talk to him about John Morant and his situation. Stay tuned. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Spears. Justin Spears, I like that. And Ali. I want to be entertaining, but I'm not stupid enough to compare myself to Ali. We'll be right back on 1490 AM ESPN Tucson. So what's going on with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens? It's going to be a busy day in the NFL day today and uh, we have uh freddie coleman from espn radio host of freddie and fitzsimmons here on espn radio joining spears and ali freddie how's it going my man i'm good this morning how are you guys doing doing fantastic as always thank you for for joining us man it's uh it's the morning shift for us and it's the second day and have you ever hosted mornings i know you've been hosting overnights on espn radio for a long time well, I had a chance to fill in on KJM more than a couple of times, and I really get a kick out of that. And even before my sports talk radio days, I had a chance to fill in on more in upstate New York. But it's a fun discipline because you get everybody's day started, yep. reacting to the night, all the events. It's always a cool thing to have a chance to fill in on KJM, and I welcome those opportunities all the time. Well, we welcome you, Freddie, and thank you so much for your time on this beautiful Tuesday morning. And, of course, everyone wants to know what's going on with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. If they give him the non-exclusive franchise tag, that opens up the door for other teams to start negotiating with Lamar Jackson. And you you, know, you start to see the teams that could pot potentially add him, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, maybe even the Washington Commanders. A lot of interesting teams that could potentially add Lamar Jackson. What do you make of this situation, and what do you think will ultimately happen with Lamar Jackson by day's end? Well, Lamar Jackson didn't blink. He put it out there, the kind of money that he wanted, especially when Deshaun Watson got that contract from the Cleveland Browns, and that completely skewed everything. Him and the Baltimore Ravens, but other quarterbacks. So I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that he's going to get franchise tags. I can't see these two entities coming together 
before 4 o'clock Eastern time and saying this is the kind of long-term contract. But you're exactly right. If they give him a non-exclusive tag and they put that on him, that means he can make no less than $32.5 million. But that also opens the door for somebody, like you mentioned, maybe in Atlanta, maybe even in Miami, where they have questions about Tua Tungabailoa. He doesn't have a long-term contract. They're worried about his health. And Lamar Jackson being a South Florida kid, they could swoop in and give him the money that he's looking for. And will the Baltimore Ravens be able to match that or think about matching that? And they put the exclusive tag on him, then that means he makes no less than $45 million. And they work on a long-term deal, which I don't think is going to happen before training camps in July. So it's going to be a very, very interesting Tuesday regarding those two and what decisions are going to be made by the Baltimore Ravens. In your earnest opinion, why do you think it's taken this long for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson to get a deal done. I mean, this has been a conversation now for it feels like a couple of years, uh, but you know they didn't, ha- they haven't gotten a deal done. Is it? Do you think it's because the the no agent? Why do you think that Lamar Jackson has not gotten a deal? Or maybe is it because Deshaun Watson and that crazy contract with the Cleveland Browns? Well, it's because of that contract that really kind of allowed Lamar Jackson to dig his feet and say, this is what I want. And he had been able to dig his heels anyway when it came to what kind of long-term contract that he was seeking, and especially when he knew what kind of deals were coming up for Josh Allen in Buffalo and Patrick Mahomes to the Kansas City Chiefs and other quarterback deals that had gone on at that time. He basically said, okay, I mean this much this offense. We know that. They know that I know, and I know that they know. So once he was able to just dig in and say, this is the kind of contract I wanted, he hasn't wavered from that because he wants more guaranteed money than just about any quarterback in the National Football League because he knows his value to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, that being said, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, if you're not able to, if you're not able to keep Lamar Jackson, then what are you going to do in terms of the kind of offense, the kind of offensive style that you have that was tailored to that quarterback? Not everybody can go in there and play that kind of system. It's a lot easier for Lamar Jackson to adapt to a different system the way he plays compared to the Baltimore Ravens trying to fit a quarterback in that system. So the fact that there's been no compromise, especially when Lamar Jackson has gotten everybody to this point right now involving those two. Freddie Coleman, host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio, joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson. So a lot of uh, quarterbacks are moving around. We saw Derek Carr sign that four-year deal with the New Orleans Saints. Could be worth up to $150 million. $60 million of it of is, is guaranteed. What do you make of this move with Derek Carr? And what do you think will ultimately happen with the New York Jets? Because I really thought that Derek Carr was going to be a New York Jet, but he lands with the New Orleans Saints. Well, he should have been a New York Jet, but this is what the Jets get for letting him out of the building, where you have not one or two interviews with him, but then you don't put a contract off on the table because you're waiting for Aaron Rodgers to see what that's going to look like with the Green Bay Packers. If they don't wind up getting Aaron Rodgers, and I did see that report on Twitter last night from Trey Wingo, who used to work for ESPN, that the Jets and Aaron Rodgers have had conversations. You're not allowed to do that unless the team gives you permission. So if that report is true, that means that the Green Bay Packers have given Aaron Rodgers that permission to have a conversation with the Jets and vice versa. But if you don't get Aaron Rodgers, if you allow Derek Carr to be in your building not once but twice, you don't put a contract off on the table, then you get what you deserve you're the New York Jets because now you're in the quarterback market where you don't believe in Zach Wilson. You can't bring him back to be the starting quarterback. You'll have a mutiny in that locker room if that happens. So do you got the Baker Mayfield? Do you got the Jacoby Brissett? Either way, none of those guys have the pedigree of a guy that you had in your building twice or a guy that you wanted to wait for to see how that was going to land when it came to So if you're in the Jets, this is a high-risk gamble that you're hoping is going to pay off you're waiting for Aaron Rodgers. 
But if it doesn't, and you got a guy like Derek Carr in your building that I think would be perfect for your offense, not just this year but in the long term, then you have nobody to blame. So I, I saw the reports out there that the Green Bay Packers are quote unquote kind of done with Aaron Rodgers and and they're you know they of course they want him to come back and play for the Green Bay Packers but if he decides I don't want to play for Green Bay I'm absolutely done with it and he's gonna follow his predecessor in Brett Favre and go from the Packers to the Jets which I find a very interesting parallel in both their careers but why do you think that everything kind of just blew up with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers? Well, it gets to a certain point, you're the Green Bay Packers. Do you not want the quarterback to have the kind of power of church and state that Aaron Rodgers had for more than a minute? And it got to a point, in my opinion, that Green Bay was tired of that. But the question is with Green Bay, how serious are they that they don't want Aaron Rodgers? Because it's one thing to say that we need to see Jordan Love play because you drafted him in the first round. So you believe you want to see exactly what you have on your hands before you make a decision about him being part of your future, not part of your future. So I get all those things. But I'm still on that camp until I actually believe that he's going to move on from Green Bay and go to New York. But the Packers have known that this was Aaron Rodgers for more than a minute. Did they think that all of a sudden that he was going to flip it and be a contrite Aaron Rodgers? And he knows what the word contrite means, but that's not part of his DNA. He knows exactly what kind of power he was in that organization, and it gets to a point that maybe people are tired of that, especially when he has not won a championship. He's gotten the one Super Bowl just like Brett Favre. That's a parallel as well. But he has not been able to produce in big moments, especially in the last three home games we've seen him play. The NFC Championship game against Tampa Bay, where he did not play well in the second half. And then in the playoff game versus San Francisco, where he did not play after the opening drive. And then last season versus Detroit, where he had a chance to play well again into the playoffs, and he spit the bit in the fourth quarter. Maybe the Packers are thinking he's a depreciating asset, even though he's still an asset. And that's something they want to move on from. But we'll see exactly how that's going to go. All right, Freddie, I have a few NFL teams for you, and I'm going to tell them to you, and you're going to tell me who will be their starting quarterback in the first game of the 2023 season. Let's start off with the Miami Dolphins. Who's their starting quarterback to start the season? I still think it's going to be Tua Tagovailoa because I think maybe Lamar Jackson may be too rich for their blood, so I'm saying it's going to be Tua. All right, how about the San Francisco 49ers? That's going to be Trey Lance because the surgery that's going to happen for Brock Purdy is not going to happen until Friday, which means the earliest he can have any kind of activity is going to be September 8th, and the season starts on September 7th. It's going to be Trey Lance's job to lose. They may bring in a veteran sure that they're going to be fortified in case Trey can do, but I still believe opening day he's going to be the starter for San Francisco. All right, how about the Atlanta Falcons? It's going to be Desmond Ritter, but don't be surprised they bring in a guy like a Ryan Tannehill maybe if things don't work out in Tennessee because they believe in Desmond Ritter because what they do offensively, he fits what they do, and he's going to be he's going to have a lot more backbone at that quarterback position Marcus Mariota showed last year and did not show last year. So it's going to be Desmond Ritter for the Atlanta Falcons, but they will bring in a veteran quarterback to make sure they have that kind of insurance. All right, Freddie, let's end it with your New York football Jets. Who do they get? Boy, that's a really good question. I, I still think I said it last year before he got into the San Francisco 49ers, and just along the lines of Derek Carr had the same kind of relationship with Dennis Allen when they both were together with the Raiders, and that really was a fact that Derek Carr signed with the with the with the New Orleans Saints. I think the same thing happened. And I know he's had his injury issues, 
But for what they do, he's not going to put the ball into the opponent's hands. He has an offensive wide receiver in the outside and a running game and a terrific offensive line. So I think the quarterback in 2023 is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. And if it's not him, keep an eye on Baker Mayfield, where they can get him on the cheap a little bit. You don't have to pay $30 million for him. That could be a potential wild card if the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes sees that the Jets are out of that running and he stays in Green Bay. All right, Freddie, real quick before we let you go, got to get an NBA question in. Of course, you know Kevin Durant being added to the Phoenix Suns, a lot of people out here in Arizona are very excited about what the Suns can do. What do you make of KD going to the Suns, and do you like Phoenix to come out of the West and play in the NBA Finals? I really do because when you have a chameleon player like that that makes everybody better at both ends of the floor, you've seen the kind of effect that he's had on Phoenix where Devin Booker, He's always played loose and free. He has to play this loose and free, knowing that no matter what happens, we got that slim reaper over there. And then Kevin, that can make all. Fender, he reduces so much of that pressure on a Chris Paul or a Devin Booker and a DeAndre Aiden and also Monty Williams, because you need a bucket, just put it in his hands and let him go out there and make a play, whatever kind of play you design for him. So I know the Denver Nuggets have the best record in the Western Conference, and they're lethal. they got players all over the place, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. They can go 8-9 deep. But when you have a guy that you need to get a bucket, can go get it, keep the opposing team from getting it, and everybody else is off of that, there's no doubt in my mind that Phoenix is a lot closer to the top where they can almost be considered on the same line with the Denver Nuggets and definitely above the Memphis Grizzlies going through those issues with John Morant. And the Sacramento Kings, I believe, are still a year or two away from being that kind of challenger to get out of the Western Conference to get to the NBA Finals. Freddie Coleman, host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons here on ESPN Radio weekday nights. You can follow him on Twitter at Coleman ESPN. Freddie, always appreciate your time and insight. Thank you, as always, for joining us on our second morning shift. My pleasure. Keep knocking it out, guys. We'll definitely do it again soon, okay? Absolutely. Thank you, Freddie. The best, man. The silkiest voice, too. I, I mean, I can't. I wish I had a voice like Freddie Coleman. As a matter of fact, I got to get Freddie to do my voicemail. We'll, I'll, I'll see if I can get him to do that. All right, coming up next on Spears and Ali, let's do Top 5 Tuesday. We're going to rank Top 5 U of A football newcomers and returning players right here on ESPN Tucson. You want to go see Phantom of the Opera? You just asked me how to date? Yeah. Bro date. see Phantom of the Opera. Do we have a seat in between us or are we going to sit next to each other? No, sit, sit between us. Top headline for today. Spears and Ali, insecure about their masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. Man. ESPN Tucson has great deals for you from local businesses. Right now, you can find half-off deals from Bookstore Southwest Adult Shop, Allure Medical, Miller Surplus, The Landing, and more. Find out the latest Half Price Friday deals and save some money seven days a week at ESPNTucson.com. Don't forget, top of 8 o'clock hour, got a bunch of guests stopping by. The Borgay Bros, Trayson, Trenton, Coben, all playing college football. Their sister, Rylan Borgay, six-time state champion. She's going to be playing beach volleyball next year at ASU. The Borgay siblings are... Elite when it comes to sports. The brothers will be joining us in studio at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. And then uh, we'll call Rylan Borgay because uh, she couldn't make it in studio because, you know, she's got school, something like that. I was never really good at school. But she's really good at school. She's being a good student. She's going to st- uh, stick around at school. But we're going to talk to her for 10 minutes about her athletic career and what she's been able to accomplish and also 
her upcoming chapter at ASU. So from 8 o'clock to 8.35, it's going to be the Borgay takeover here on ESPN Radio. But we have Juve football starting next week. Spring football is underway. Getting started Tuesday at the Dick Tomey practice fields. And I'm actually really excited to see the newcomers for Arizona football. Which leads us to our next segment for the first ever Top 5 Tuesday in the mornings. Top 9 Tuesday. So for you uh, morning listeners, this is our ongoing joke in the afternoon. So when we first started Top 5 Tuesday, I would rank five things and then have an honorable mention list, which kind of defeats the purpose of Top 5 Tuesday. So Andrew took it upon himself to make it a joke. Every time I say Top 5 Tuesday, it's in fact Top 9 Tuesday. So when we do Top 5 Tuesday and you hear Andrew say Top 9 Tuesday in the background, you know what that means. <laughs> I've learned not to give honorable honorable mentions. So we have two lists for Top 5 Tuesday. We're ranking Top 5 U of A football newcomers, and we're also ranking Top 5 U of A football returning players. As far as the the newbies go, I'm really excited to see what certain defensive players can do. Because, you know, you look at Arizona's 2023 recruiting class, whether it's the, through the transfer portal, whether it's through the high school rankings, Arizona went all in on defense. Defensive linemen, linebackers, DBs, they're bringing a whole influx of defensive talent. And I think probably the fifth most interesting prospect for me to watch in spring ball is defensive lineman Bill Norton from Georgia. Uh, big old guy, defensive tackle coming over from Georgia. Obviously did not play a lot at the University of Georgia. The the back-to-back national champions who had a stout defensive line. I mean, shoot, they're going to have a couple probably go in the first round. And uh, we'll, we'll see what goes on with uh, defensive tackle Jalen Carter. But Bill Norton was a guy who didn't really play much at Georgia. But national championship team. He comes over to Arizona, could be probably one of the most impactful players for the Arizona Wildcats in 2023. But adding a veteran defensive lineman up front, I thought was a big-time get for Johnny Nansen's defense and getting a guy from the SEC, big-time addition for the Arizona Wildcats. So Bill Norton, defensive tackle from Georgia. Um, I'm curious to see how he blends in with Arizona's defensive line because, remember, Arizona up front played a lot of freshmen. Jacob Rich Kangaika from Modern Day Catholic got a lot of reps. Tai uh, Tai Uliagalale went from defensive end to defensive tackle quite a bit. Uh, how does he blend in with uh, with the other guys? That's something I'm going to be paying attention to in spring ball. Uh, as far as uh, the fourth guy goes for top five newcomers, I'm curious to see how Martel Irby gets uh, introduced to Arizona's defense. Martel Irby is a guy who really flew under the radar in Arizona's 23 class. He used to play at UCLA. He he joined the Bruins as a running back a few years ago and then moved to defensive back and then medically retired. And he cited mental health reasons, just wanted to step away from football. And now here he is reuniting with Johnny Nansen at the University of Arizona. And Arizona, they, they're going to need some help 
at defensive back as well. Because remember, they lost Christian Roland Wallace. Christian Young is getting ready for the NFL draft. Jackson Turner, who led the team in tackles, transferred to UNLV. So, I mean, those are three starters right there in the secondary that are leaving the Wildcats. So Martel Irby, his veteran experience, I think, could really pay off for Arizona. And it'll certainly complement guys like Ephesians Prysock and Takario Bobo Davis. Those two guys right there, Ephesians and Takario, you look at the way that they're built. They're like 6'3", 6'4". Dwayne Walker, the former cornerbacks coach, you can certainly tell that he had a type at defensive back, at cornerback. And it's dudes who look like shooting guards, guys who look like small forwards in basketball. The next level that these guys can get to, uh, I think, is going to be worth watching. Ephesians Prysock and Takario Bobo Davis, defensive back, are going to be great. But newcomers in the defensive back room, Martel Irby will certainly be one to watch. And then at number three, I'm going to go with an offensive lineman. I'm going to go with uh, Rhino Tapatuitai. That's a great name. If you're an offensive lineman named Rhino, come on, man. That's that's the greatest offensive line name of all time. And he's coming in as an 18-year-old freshman, but he's already pretty built. 6'5", 280 pounds, and offensive coordinator slash off- offensive line coach Brandon Carroll has been raving about this guy's potential and the size that he's put on ever since he's come to Arizona. At Arizona, I mean, they're, they're hurting at tackle right now. Because Peyton Fears at right tackle, getting ready for the NFL draft. And Jordan Morgan, he's overcoming that ACL injury. So Arizona, at the tackle spot, they're probably going to have Sam Longy start, who was kind of like Arizona's sixth starter last year. He was the guy that came in and played guard, played tackle. He played all over the place. So he's probably going to play left tackle. And then at right tackle, you have junior college transfer Joe Bourjan and also this Rhino Tapatuatai guy. And I think that Arizona is expecting big things out of Rhino in year one. Uh, Number two, I'm going to go back to the high school ranks. Genesis Smith, the safety from Chandler Hamilton High School. The coaching staff, Chuck Cecil, etc., these guys have been raving about this guy. 6'2", 6'3", already filled out. He's going to be playing strong safety. He is a hard-hitting safety, and I've... Talk to guys who cover high school football in the Phoenix area, and they tell me nothing but great things about Genesis Smith. And remember, Jackson Turner, Christian Young, no longer in the fold. Genesis Smith has a real good opportunity in spring. Remember, high school kid, enrolling early, he's going to be able to really benefit from spring ball and get that experience. I like a lot of things from Genesis Smith. And then the most interesting newcomer for me, is Oregon transfer linebacker Justin Flo. This is a guy who should be preparing for the NFL draft right now. He was the top prospect in 2020, number one rated inside linebacker, five-star recruit, was an absolute stud, goes out to Oregon, career gets derailed by injuries, can't really get on the field, faces adversity, and then rather than declaring for the NFL draft and getting ready for the next level, he finds himself in the transfer portal. And to think that Arizona really wants to work with Justin Flo on is controlling that passion. Jetfish says that uh, Justin Flo is a guy who's pure passion, 
pure energy, full speed ahead. But sometimes that can be a little bit reckless in linebacker play. You want to be able to play as a defensive player with controlled chaos. Justin Flo is just all chaos and it's no control. Arizona, they're going to work on that. But if they can get that and kind of dial in Justin Flo, if Justin Flo can live up to the hype as a five-star linebacker, the top-rated inside linebacker in the country, then sky's the limit for this Arizona's defense. And, of course, Justin Flo. And who knows, we might be talking about him getting ready to be a first-round or second-round pick in the NFL draft next year. All right, coming up next, let's talk about the five most interesting returning players for the Arizona Wildcats before we get the Borgay brothers in studio. Stay tuned. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Spears. Justin Spears, I like that. And Ali. I want to be entertaining, but I'm not stupid enough to compare myself to Ali. We'll be right back on 1490 AM ESPN Tucson. One last segment before we get the Borgay brothers in studio. Trenton Borgay, Trayson Borgay, Coben Borgay, they'll be talking about their latest college football season. Very thankful that <laughs> they're coming by the studio this early in the morning. I didn't imagine we'd be getting a lot of in-studio guests this early, but appreciate the Borgay bros for for being troopers, man, because this is a very early slot. I went out there and uh, said what's up to them because they're certain, sitting in the green room right now, and they're like, dude, we always get up this early. Yeah, we've been up for three hours. Yeah, so they're used to it. They're high-level football players, man. Um, all right, so we were just talking, speaking of football, spring football starts next week for the Arizona Wildcats, and we just went through the top five newcomers for the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, Bill Norton, defensive tackle from Georgia. Martel Irby, defensive back, who is coming out of medical retirement. Played at UCLA, was a running back DB, now joining Arizona. Rhino Tapatuatai, the 6'5", 280-pound offensive tackle from SoCal. Genesis Smith, hard-hitting safety from Chandler Hamilton High School. And then Justin Flo, the former five-star linebacker, who was a top-rated linebacker in the country just three years ago, now playing for Arizona's defense. What about top five returning players? Because Arizona, they were expected to lose quite a bit to the NFL draft, but fortunately for them, they got all these guys to come back. Guys who could have left early decided to return. Running back Michael Wiley, who had a great game in the Territorial Cup to end the season. He's going to headline a running back room of... DJ Williams, the Florida State transfer running back, Rayshon Speedy Luke, Jonah Coleman, and the plus they added uh, that that Brandon Johnson guy from from SoCal. So running backs, there's no shortage of them. But Michael Wiley, being the consistent running back that he is, I'm very excited to see the the next step that he could take as a veteran. He's he was a part of Arizona's I think like 2018 or 2019 recruiting class. Now here he is. Uh, going to be playing his final season for the Arizona Wildcats. Um, another guy that I'm really interested in watching is uh, Tanner McLaughlin, the tight end from Southern Utah. He came in last year. We were expecting Kean Burnett, Alex Lyons, those two to be the starting tight end. Tanner McLaughlin becomes the the or he had the most receiving yards by tight end since Rob Gronkowski, and now he's coming back another season better than ever. Uh, another guy very interested in watching is uh, Jordan Morgan and his return. Uh, he's going to be sidelined this spring, but his rehab, what he does, uh, it'll certainly be worth watching. 
Um, and then I'm going to go with some skill players. Jacob Cowling, he was one player who we really thought was going to be going to the NFL draft. We all thought Jacob Cowing was uh, a day two type of player, a guy who can go in the second or the third round, but he's going to be coming back, and he wants to work on special teams, being a return specialist, punt returner, kick returner. If you want to play at the next level, you got to be able to play special teams. Just ask Stanley Berryhill. I mean, Stanley Berryhill is making an NFL career because of what he did on special teams at Arizona, and he's a really good gunner. On, on punt coverage. So Jacob Cowing wants to improve in that category. And then the most interesting one, in my personal opinion, it's not the quarterback, Jaden Delora. It's Tetaroa T-Mac McMillan. A lot of people are saying T-Mac is going to take college football by storm next season. He's big. He's long, athletic. And, man, he just might be the best receiver in the Pac-12 next year. All right, that'll do it for hour number one of Spears and Ali. Coming up next, the Borgay brothers join us in studio. Don't go anywhere. More Spears and Ali coming up next.